In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Money, Please. I'm Berna Anat, also known as At Hey Berna, your personal financial hype woman, bringing you the financial real talk for the real world. Quotation marks because nothing is real. Put on your grown bitch pants because today we are talking about investing. Now, according to recent studies, if you identify as a woman, about 26% of you heard me say investing and you're like, hell yeah, I get it. And the other 74% are like, oh my God, get me out of here, get me out of here. Let's unpack that. Now, when I say women in this episode, I mean women identifying people, femmes. Of course, these studies hardly take the gender spectrum into account, but let's get into some numbers. Okay. According to The Motley Fool, women who invest generally earn better returns than men. That means when women invest, we're more likely to earn money, okay, to win. On average, women lose 2.5% of their stock portfolio in a year, while men lose 3.8%, which means when women invest, we're less likely to lose money. It's all green lights over here. And yet, Fidelity reports that only 9% of women think that they make better investors than men, even though we literally make better investors than men. Women are more likely than men to keep significant amounts of their assets in cash as opposed to investing, which means we are more likely to lose out on investing gains, especially over many, many years. as gains with a Z, gains. And only 26% of women in America are investing. Now, personally, I was a part of that 26% until not that long ago for hella reasons. Investing always seemed like this thing rich people do. I would hear classmates and colleagues talk about their portfolios and their parents' investments and their Roth 5678C3PO, Fetty Wap, Cardi B, all casual. And my first gen child of immigrant ass was like, what? (laughs) How? When I was being forced to take piano lessons that never stuck, y'all went to investing school? I don't get it. So Of course, as an adult, investing felt really, really intimidating to me. And as I like to say, the investing world itself seemed hella male, hella pale, hella stale. Okay, just yuck. It took me a really long time to find creators and educators who made me feel comfortable to learn about investing. And we've got one of my absolute favorites coming up on the show today. But before we talk to them, I just want to say shout out to my first time, first, second gen investors. Okay, it's an undisputed truth that we will not be able to budget or save or like coupon clip our way to life-changing, poverty cycle-busting, intergenerational wealth. We have to invest. But I feel like folks like us invest with a different energy, okay? Because this is stuff our parents, our ancestors never got to do, never even could conceive of doing for so many reasons. So when the investing terms and the experts confuse me, when it gets very overwhelming, What keeps me grounded in my own investment choices is knowing that I am a fucking investing pioneer of my lineage, okay? That gives me power. 
Some people are investing to, oh, I don't know, protect centuries-old wealth built off the backs of enslaved people. Hmm, I am investing so that my parents don't, like, go hungry in their retirement. We are not the same, right? And it's a beautiful thing. Okay. Speaking of the people who actually made me feel comfortable about investing, we have on the show somebody so incredible. Actually, she's one of the first person that ever made me laugh while learning about investing, which I didn't know you could do. She's one of the first people that made me go, oh my God, I can see myself and hear myself in the investing world, which I didn't know that I could ever feel. We are joined today by writer, speaker, investing expert, Amanda Friggin Holden, aka Dumpster Doggy. I'm so happy you're here. How are you, Amanda? How are you? Oh my gosh, Berna, I miss you and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Okay, so I am so excited to share you with the world, with the Betches world. Tell us a little bit more about you. And just off the top, I want to help us answer the question probably floating in people's minds as they're listening. When they fall in love with you and they're like, I'm going to take all of her advice. Can they sue you if they take your investment education and run with it and it goes badly? Like what, how, where are we at with that? None of this is advice, first of all. This is all education. You must, you got to invest at your own risk. And that's why I'm such a believer in giving thorough education, education that goes beyond just, you know, an Instagram reel. Really the work happens outside of social media, because I really want people to be equipped with the information that they need to make the best decisions for themselves, completely understanding the risks that are involved. And so, no, this is not advice. It is not prescriptive. I can't give anybody that's listening personalized financial advice because I don't know any of you personally. And Mm -hmm. so it's all, it's all just educational. Beautiful. I like to say that from the top so nobody gets any wild legal ideas and starts texting their lawyer or anything. But okay, tell us a little bit more about you and how you got into this world of investing and like, why are you such a gem and where have you been all of our lives? Thank you so much. So, you know, I fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you looked at it, ended up in investment management. I graduated in 2007, ended up working for an investment management firm in San Francisco, And I was there for a little bit more than six years. And so my primary role while I was working there was I was what is called an investment counselor. And as an investment counselor, I worked directly with our high net worth clients. And so my job was to answer questions about the market, keep them apprised of portfolio strategy, um, get to know their personal financial situations. And so what I was doing was a lot of handholding with old rich guys all day, (laughs) letting them (laughs) cry to me and bitch to me about their money. And so it was a really great job and that I learned a lot and I get to do what I do now, but I also Mm kind of hated it. And I felt very mismatched with the job. Like Berna, you know me, my ethos is really not so much like kissing old guys' asses. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. not really, that's not really what I'm trying to do with my life. And so I ended up saving up all my money and this scrappy time period that I had is actually when I acquired the nickname dumpster doggy, which is really stuck around, <laughs> but I quit. I left. I thought I was going to leave money altogether. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of talking about money, but I keep kept coming back to this idea, which was basically like, you know, I've been coaching my, my friends on this stuff, you know, specifically um, my girlfriends. And so I kind of thought, you know what, maybe my work here isn't done. And so I came back and started my business, which is teaching young people how to invest or teaching young women how to invest really 
anybody who has felt left out of these conversations because these conversations are so often reserved for people that are already rich or yes. already wealthy. Speak on and, it. Yeah, yeah. And so my my business is called Invested Development. Um, I do a lot of life teaching, but you know, kind of like Berna, I'm I'm also just a, really a, a clown who's desperate for laughs. Thank God. We are literally financial clowns. We're basically financial jesters here for you. Yes, beautiful. (laughs) But I'm so grateful that you decided to turn all that energy, all that information and like years of knowledge and you are serving now young people, young women. And for so many people, you are like, not that you're handholding anymore, but I did feel like sort of held and um, kind of cradled like a baby when I first started like watching your workshops and watching your content. And I think what intimidates so many people about getting into investing is, is exactly what you said. You you lived in that world of rich white guys in suits complaining about how rich they are. And so a question that comes up a lot is like, is investing only for rich guys in suits? And do I need a bunch of money to to invest? Like, is it for me? What would you say to people who are like, I don't think, I don't think that's my jam? It's absolutely for you. And don't be tricked into believing that it's too complicated for you because because it is not. And in fact, this is I always like to tell people this is probably the best money news that you will hear all year, maybe in your entire life, which is good investing is actually breathtakingly boring and simple and easy. What is hard? What is crusty and dusty and musty is the learning curve, right? Learning Mm. the terminology, which there's no doubt about it that you got to put in the work up front. But once you do, it is smooth sailing. And, And I would even say that investing is actually much, much easier than budgeting. Like budgeting to me is really hard. <laughs> it's complicated. And I think there are so many other, there's so much more kind of like creative freedom inside of budgeting that you can get so lost. But investing, it sounds like you're saying investing can actually be very straightforward and breathtakingly boring. I love to hear that. That's sort of like a bomb to my heart because folks who like, if you Google investing or you look it up on like TikTok or Instagram, you start hearing words and phrases and you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to understand this. And so it's it's beautiful to hear like, it could actually be very boring and simple. Um, if somebody wanted to maybe like start dipping their toe into investing, especially this like breathtakingly boring investing, which honestly, like would have sounded so beautiful to me if I had known you five years ago. What are the first steps to begin to like sniff into this world? So what investing is not going to be for most of us is having 16 trading screens and shotgunning four Red Bulls before 6 a.m. in the morning, right? (laughs) We're so used to thinking that investing is really hands-on when in actuality, investing is just about setting up a good system that has you investing and buying investments, investments simply being things that we hope will increase in value over time and doing it regularly and consistently over time. Mm -hmm. Again, all of which can be automated. I cannot stress that enough. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about investing, I actually think it helps to break it down into three very simple steps. The first is just opening an account. And As simple as it sounds, this is the step that people get the most tripped up on because Mm -hmm. we have so many options and the differences between all of the options, it's very confusing, right? Mm -hmm. This is that decision of what is a 401k, what is a Roth IRA, what is a brokerage account, what's the difference, and what's the right one for me? That's step one. 
And we can come back to that. We can talk about which one you want to invest in and why, um, mm-hmm. if you want, but really just understanding first off that, for example, a 401k is just a bank account that holds investments. A Roth IRA is just a bank account that holds investments. And so step one is choosing an account. Step two is putting cash, putting money into that account, just like you would with a checking account or a savings account. And then step three, and this is the one that people sometimes miss, is actually then going in and buying investments such as index funds, ETFs, or stocks with the money that's sitting in that account. Because what we so often hear people say, and again, this is where people get tripped up, is you might hear somebody say something like, my Roth IRA is an investment, when in actuality, your Roth IRA is a fancy ass bank account that holds investments. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What we want to do, okay, I'm like, I'm like backtracking if I, if I was hearing about investing for the first time, the three steps, which are so beautiful and precious. First one is choose the right investment account for you because there are so many. This is where all the letters and the numbers in the C3PO, blah, 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 come in. WTF. WTF. ABC. <laughs> yeah, literally like airport codes. That, I feel like we I could do like an I'm episode on, on PCP, like, yeah. Literally like <laughs> somebody had to have been on PCP when they made up these names because it makes no damn sense. For complicated for no reason it would be like on my investing tombstone complicated for no reason picking the account that's right for you which you're right is honestly its own whole podcast episode to putting money in it and three making sure that you those that money is being invested you are actively investing you're not just throwing money in there so you said 401k and this is something that i think maybe lots of listeners have but are at least i this was me a few years ago just like i have one from an employer i don't know what the fuck is going on in there? So let's speak to the people who maybe have a 401k and is like, I, all I know is that it's called that. I don't know what to do with it. What advice would you give someone who's like, I have one. How do I be a bad bitch about it? Is there something I should know about my 401k that I didn't before? What What do I need to know? Yeah, well, okay. So again, the first and most important thing to know about your 401k is that it is a bank account. And even to take a step back, just with retirement accounts in general, right? Like a 401k is a retirement account. And so what makes a retirement account different than say a regular schmegular old brokerage account that you could open at Charles Schwab or wherever else? Well, the difference is that basically the IRS is throwing you a teeny tiny little tax bone if you invest within one of these accounts and you use it for the long term, if you use it for retirement. And so the re- if you're ever again if you're ever like 401k WTF Roth IRA like who did this who did this to me it's the IRS oh, the thanks, IRS guys. done this to us and mm. they really made this system uh, way more complicated than it needs to be but at the mm. end of the day any retirement account no matter which retirement account that you use is a fancy ass bank account with some sort of tax benefit 
that holds investments. And so where people get tripped up with a 401k is that process, that three-step process that I just described is often automated. And so you're like, no, but my 401k is an investment because it's invested in these mutual funds. You're so close. You're so close. <laughs> so close. But, but there are actually still these multiple steps happening. The first being that money is automatically taken from your paycheck and deposited into the 401k. And then mm -hmm. that money is automatically being used to purchase investments. And so the great thing about a 401k is we love the automation of it all. Mm. Like any, you know, like mama's got a lot of chores on her, so much to on, do. Her to, on her to do list. And so if it can just be done for me, the depositing into the account on a regular basis. And then also this other really important piece, which is the purchasing of the investments themselves. If that's all done automatically, then fabulous. We want that. We love that. Yes. And so that's the most important thing to know about your workplace retirement plan, whether it's a 401k or 403b or a TSP or any one of these accounts is that it is ultimately a bank account. You may be depositing money into this account and it may be automatic purchasing investments, but we've still got these different pieces of the process happening. <sighs> Another way that I describe it um, that, that I think can sometimes help you visualize it is you can almost think like, Bernard, I don't know if you either had one of these or if you wanted one of these growing up, but did you ever like have or want like one of those like old caboodles? They were like purple oh and teal, yes. like a little double decker treasure storage unit. Type yeah, of yeah. you pull the thing out and then you pull up and then there's a mirror and there's like 17 little shelves and you carry it around like a bad bitch even though I was like 10 using it and putting fake makeup in there very much but it made me feel very organized and beautiful okay so the, exactly Verna. so that the actual caboodles itself is your 401k it is mm. just a fancy storage unit right mm. so it is it is the actual storage unit itself that old makeup the 14 OPI nail polishes, the 14 exactly. teal OPI nail polishes that yeah. you kept in that in that caboodles or, you know, your miniature novelty eraser collection mm. or your tie dye scrunchies or whatever Jeez. it was. Those are the investments. So what you hold inside of that caboodles, those are the funds. Those are the stocks. Those are the bonds. Those are the ETFs and so on. And so you got to almost think of it as two different pieces of the process. Oh, I love that. Also, it, I'm a very much a visual learner. So I love that basically right now I'm sitting in front of what used to be mentally. I'm sitting in front of what used to be my like 12 year old vanity. And you're describing the caboodles in front of me. There's a caboodle that's a 401k. There's a caboodle that could be maybe a Roth IRA. But the point in our conversation just being like understanding that it is caboodles inside the caboodles are investments. And that sometimes those caboodles inside the inside caboodles are being invested for you, like potentially in your employer 401k. Sometimes they're not, and you got to open up that bitch and invest them yourself, which again is going to be 5,000 other different episodes to explain. But it's so wonderful to get like your brain around the, the visual part of it. Now, I want to kind of explore a little bit the idea of like automation, because like you said earlier, like automation cannot stress it enough is so important, especially when it comes to this breathtakingly boring, consistent, like set it and forget it type of investing. If somebody was like, I'm trying to get into this automated ass, boring ass, consistent ass investing first, before I get into like into the complicated caboodles, where can I start? Where do I go to make it as simple as possible to start? Sure. So 
there's really two different methodologies for investing. And I would categorize them as do it yourself. So mm -hmm. DIY, you're going to open the account, you're going to fund it with cash, you're going to buy the investments. And then you're also going to automate it kind of in the same way that you would automate bill pay, where you just kind of go clicking around buttons on the website until you figure mm -hmm. it out, right? I love it. And yes. so that's DIY investing. The other option is you can use one of these new investment services that are called robo-advisors. Mm. And so, yes, robo-advisors are, they're great, especially for somebody that's new to investing, wants a little bit more hand-holding to get started because it is, the process is seamless and is, it is beautiful. And just so you know, I take no money from banks, no banks pay me for anything, but some examples of robo-advisors would be Betterment, Wealthfront mm. and Elevest. And so basically what you would do is instead of actually choosing the account, choosing the investments, you would answer a series of questions about what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And they would use their robot algorithm to basically build a portfolio for you, buy your investments for you. And so as with anything in life, but with investing as well, is that the trade-off is that with a robo-advisor service, it's going to be easier, but you're going to have to pay a little bit more. And mm -hmm. so there are fees that are associated with using a beautiful, simple auto automated service like a robo-advisor. And so, you know, real investing goobers like myself, like I prefer to DIY it because I want to minimize costs as much as possible. I want to mm -hmm. keep as much money in my pocket and out of the pockets of the banks. Mm -hmm. Like what I always like to tell my students is <clears throat> skanks before banks, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect energy for this podcast. Am the perfect I, energy. Am yeah. I right? <laughs> um, Correct. And so I have accounts at I mean, I have accounts all over. I don't recommend that you do that. I do that just because I want to know what it is that I'm teaching. But any what we call low cost brokerage bank. And so mm -hmm. a low cost brokerage bank would be like Fidelity or Charles Schwab, where mm -hmm. you could open up, let's say, a Roth IRA at Charles Schwab. And then you fund it with $10 in, in, in cash. You hook it up to your bank account, fund it with 10 bucks. And with that 10 bucks, you could buy, say, an S&P 500 index fund. And so voila, you've done it yourself. Now we want to build out that strategy and of course, learn exactly what that strategy is and automate it as well. But that's a little bit about how the DIY process would look. And so either you're doing it yourself for as cheap as possible or to get started, use a robo-advisor service who's going to make the process really easy and beautiful for you. Yes, absolutely. I think the thing that is so important to stress with investing, and of course, you know, definitely preaching to like literally the head of the choir, is like start fucking now, right? Like ASAP. I think you said to me before – the best kind of investment or something like this where it's like you were like I don't care what people are investing well you care what people are investing in but the most important thing is that they start soon right because I think a lot of people who might be, might be listening to this episode are like Ugh, analysis paralysis okay do I want to DIY do I want to robo advise 401k maybe I, maybe I need to understand all the terms first before I start investing what would you say to that person if you are somebody that is experiencing any analysis paralysis at all then use one of these automated robo-advisor services to get started. It's, um, it's, it's again, could not be easier. I would have to check on some of the minimums. Some of them do have slightly higher minimums, like they might be $500 to get started, which obviously not everybody can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so, but you, but save up, use one of these services. If that's something that you're experiencing, 
something that's really easy to do is to when when you're choosing an investment specifically is to choose and what we're generally talking about for young people when we're talking about investing specifically within retirement accounts or within brokerage accounts like right we're not talking about going out and buying a home a primary residence we're talking about right. investing um within our 401k within our Roth IRAs often and a really simple easy thing that you can do is just buy for example a fund an investment fund really the word fund means nothing more than it's just a big old basket of some other investment so it could be a big old basket of stocks or a big old basket of bonds mm. and so for most young people or new investors what we're talking about is primarily investing in the stock market. Mm -hmm. And nowadays there are easier, better options than ever before to get invested in the stock market for super cheap and super easy. So for example, a really great starter investment would be some sort of fund, we call them index funds, that invest you across the entire US stock market. Mm. Or the 500 leading stocks in the United States, which is the S&P 500. And so mm -hmm. if you found an investment that was like the S&P 500 index fund or a total U.S. stock market index fund, mm -hmm. then these are really great starter investments. Just get started not by trying to pick the best stocks, just get started by making an investment that these companies that's what you own when you own a stock. You actually own part of that company now. And so when you invest across the whole stock market, you're making an investment in the fact that you think just that these companies are going to, on average, grow richer over time, which mm -hmm. obviously capitalism is flawed and... Yes. That's also a whole another conversation for another mm -hmm. day. But for better or worse, I do tend to think that these companies are going to become wealthier over time. Right. Got it. Yeah. And so that's a really simple and easy way that you can choose a first investment is to choose something that is across the board diversified right away. And I know that I'm kind of throwing out a lot of buzzwords. So if at any point we want to go back and cover some of these buzzwords, we should yes. do that. <laughs> that's actually a really good point because there's a list of buzzwords that to me get very annoying when they're thrown around and they're the things that intimidate us the most when we start talking about investments. But I think we're going to save that for our loose change episode coming up later this week. You've given us already so many good things to think about, especially in terms of just understanding what investing is in general and the three general steps to get into it so that we don't feel as intimidated while we're stepping into, I always imagine it as like, I'm lowering myself into a jacuzzi and it's a little warm and I'm going to go slow. I'm going to learn things. You gave us the lay of the land, and I'm so, so, so grateful. And we'll talk more in our Loose Change episode, uh, which people can check out later this week. But for now, can you tell people where to find you, where to continue to just usurp and just like get, your, get you into their pores, um, and what you're working on lately? How can we support you? Oh, that's so nice. So, I mean, if you really want to marinate in this. I do, um, always. At, yeah, at dumpster.doggy on Instagram is where it mostly all goes down. I am on most of the social medias, but Instagram is where I do the most free education. And so if you mm. want free education, come find me there. Um, as always, I'm doing 
live workshops. I've got my own investing course also called Invested Development. And so if at some point you're ready to go all in on your education, I mean, talk about marinating. That's a whole lot of dunster doggy. That's like, it's 15 <laughs> lessons. It's 15 video lessons. It's about 11 or 12 hours of education. Plus you get monthly office hours with me. And so if you feel ready to, to really take the leap and, and invest in your own education, then that's an option that's available to you too. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Amanda. We'll talk to you again soon for Loose Change. I appreciate you. I'm invested in you. And you are one of my favorite life stocks of all time. Did that work? Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, it does. Thank you. All right, let's get this week's Money On My Mind email of the week going. Each and every week, I'm answering your questions about everything finance related. Send your emails to moneyplease at betches.com to get them answered on this year podcast. All right, let's get into it. Berna, hi, that's me. Hi. Loving all the new content. You're a star. I'm again, thank you. So I wanted to write in with a question about my investing situation. I was lucky enough to be able to graduate college debt free, truly hashtag blessed. Friggin' congrats, by the way. And that allowed me to start a little investment portfolio I've been working on for the past few years. I don't really have what you would consider a strategy or anything too sophisticated, but at this point, I've been pleasantly surprised by how it's grown since I started, and I'm thinking about how I can take the next step. I've tried looking online for resources, but it all starts getting so confusing so quickly that I found it hard to stick with it. Any thoughts on good resources that don't assume I have an MBA in investing? Ugh, word. Is it worth for me to... Is it worth it for me to hire a financial consultant? I'm truly so lost as to where to even begin learning more about it. Thanks for your help. You are my hero. <laughs> Love, thoroughly invested, betch. <laughs> Hello, thoroughly invested. Love to hear that your investment crops are thriving, you know, that your portfolio pores are clear. Makes me very, very happy. Um, and I also love to hear that you're like, I'm trying to take the next step and I'm trying to be careful about it. Because we know, like everything with finances, doing things on your own and learning things by yourself can be very empowering, but also it feels like too much goddamn work. I'm a very strong believer in that you need community around you to help you learn and to help you get to this next level you're talking about. And also another problem is, you know, as you found, you start to go into the blogs, other sort of like next tier YouTube videos or whatever, like you meet investing TikTok and you're like, do I need an MBA to uh, understand this? That's one issue. But the second issue, too, is that internet advice can be really freaking sketchy. Like I mentioned in our Loose Change episode actually coming up later this week, the internet is full of like your hot breath Facebook uncles trying to give you quote unquote investing advice. And so my answer to you is it sounds like at this point, yes, it is worth it to find professional investing help because you're going to need a professional to tell you what to do next. There's only so much that the internet can meet you on and not a lot of it is responsible advice. So I know though that like being told, okay, it's time to find a financial advisor, an investment advisor, sounds really freaking intimidating. And it's almost like a second level of like, oh, that's not for me. Like I already got, I just got over the fact that investing is for me. That though, the advisor thing, not for me. It is. You just got to dip your toe into it. So one resource I love to tell people about is a website called advisorsgiveback.org. These are financial advisors, including investment advisors, that when the pandemic started, they all got together and started to offer their services for free or for donation-based only to people who are using advisors for the first time. Um, so Advisors Give Back is an amazing place. And it's kind of like dating. Like you can go in, whether you're using this website or any other resource, 
finding a investment advisor or a financial advisor is kind of like dating. You want to find someone who can understand your background, your lifestyle, your financial goals, where you're trying to go with your money. And they can help you feel out your risk tolerance. Uh, buzzword, aka how wild are you trying to get with your investments? Knowing stuff about you, how can you stick it out? Can you stick it out when the market goes wacko? How risky do you want to be with your investments? A investment advisor can help you figure that out. You're also going to want to keep an eye out for specific things that basically tell you about the legitimacy, the legitness of the person. You might be looking for a couple of acronyms, one of them being CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst, or a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. There's some differences between the two, but basically both of them mean they have gone through certain rigorous training and certifications and tests and, you know, stamp on their forehead from the state or the nation that says that they are actually legitimate and they can give you investing advice. Um, And that, yes, they are sort of bound to a legal contract that they have to give you fair financial advice. Here's another phrase that you're going to want to throw around or, or throw to someone who you're considering, maybe I want you to be my advisor. Are they held to a fiduciary standard. You like that word? It sounds like an Italian food. It's not. Fiduciary standard. Basically, it's fancy talk for are you sworn by some type of law or certification or a board to give me unbiased financial advice? Because if you're not fiduciary, then you could just be saying whatever the heck and there's literally like no way to check you. So fiduciary, you're looking for that. You're also going to want to see, are they fee-based or are they commission-based? Fee-based means typically they just charge you one flat fee for the time, for the session, for their hour. Commission-based means these advisors might make money off of suggesting things to you and selling things to you. I'm not saying either is wrong or anything, but personally, I do love a fee-based as opposed to someone who might be shoving something down my throat that I maybe don't want. Very last thing I will say about this. You can then supplement that professional advice by following and finding investing creators who look and sound like you and who you feel like you can relate to, right? Because on the internet, there are way too many quote unquote investing experts that to me, it seems like their greatest desire is to like befriend Elon Musk in an intimate way and have him turn their penis into a Tesla or something. I don't mess with it. Okay. I don't, I don't follow their advice. I don't fuck with that. That's not what I'm investing for, so you need to find who speaks to you. And also take it with a grain of salt, because again, the professional is the one you should be truly listening to. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. 
Okay, put your party pants on, folks. It is time for the public forum brought to you by public.com. May I speech? Thank you. The public.com community is as diverse as the world around us. 40% of their members are women. 45% are people of color. And 90% of their members are both first-time investors and long-term investors. Sick. So every week, we're opening up the forum from our DMs to answer all of your questions and give you one tiny thing to Google or to do or to rabbit hole. That'll take less than five minutes because I know you are booked and busy or you're resting, whatever. You don't have time. To help us share our submissions, we have fellow money nerd, fellow investor, Jorge. Jorge, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bern. I feel like I've really made a good investment in producing this podcast. I'm learning so much. Okay. We're investing our time. We're investing our resources. How does investing make you feel in general, Jorge? Are you like, are you really into it? Are you like deep into the Reddits? Are you a casual investor? Where are you at? Yeah, a little bit of a casual investor. I started investing a few years ago um, when the first Bitcoin uh, craze happened. Um, so I dipped my toes in that and lost a bunch of money. But uh, that sort of made me look more into stocks and index funds, yes. as uh, Amanda was telling us all about. So I have a little bit of a portfolio that I'm happy with. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that also that you have probably a very similar investing journey to so many people where like you were interested, you were introduced to investing by like a flashy thing, like a Bitcoin, right. like an NFT, and then you worked your way back into the sort of more stable thing. So I'm, I'm very glad um, you are sort of in the co-pilot seat in our, in this segment. So let's do it. What are some of the investing DMs that we've gotten? All right. First up, is it smart to invest all the money in my savings account into stocks? Mm, no, God, no, please. Again, I want to remind you, this is not professional investing advice, but I would not invest all the money in my savings into stocks. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years that have felt like centuries, it's that shit can hit the fan hard, right? Including the market can also hit the fan hard. And in those moments, you will need cash to survive. And it's just easier to access cash. You might have investments, might be either they might dip or it's difficult to access the cash from there. Life costs money and life wants cash. So personally, I keep what I need in my emergency savings for six months. I keep savings for things that I know are coming up in the next three-ish years, and I invest the rest. That's it. All right, next up, this is a question I had a few years ago. Bitcoin, that's it. That's my question. That's it. Send tweet. <laughs> Bitcoin. Got it. I am actually right there with you and probably lots of other listeners where I'm like, Bitcoin? Question mark. Still asking that question in my mind. What I want to tell you is that there are so many incredible resources that break it down in a way that honestly is not that confusing. I could try to explain Bitcoin to you, but sometimes I just sort of get it's it's wild. It's cryptocurrency in general. Cryptocurrency is like the bigger word and Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. It's a really wild world. So let me just hit you with a couple of resources where you can start that I really love. There is a newsletter called The Morning Brew. I'm not sure uh, if folks are familiar with it, but they just launched a newsletter called The Money Scoop. It's like a mini newsletter off the newsletter. The Morning Brew and The Money Scoop have really awesome resources to learn what the goddamn hell is a Bitcoin? Where did it come from? Spoiler alert, the origin story of Bitcoins literally sounds like a sci-fi thriller. It's nuts. Um, but Money Scoop and The Morning Brew have amazing resources that break down what Bitcoin is without using terminology that you already don't understand. Love it. 
And I think you should follow someone uh, on the internets. Her, their name is Carmen and Make Real Sense. It's at Make Real Sense. Carmen is so incredible at describing cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And my favorite part about following Carmen is that you are watching Carmen explore Bitcoin and NFTs and all kinds of other cryptocurrency in real time. Carmen is sharing exactly the things that she's learning as she goes. So such an amazing, also person of color, such an amazing creator to follow to learn more. Amazing. All right. So next up, if I have more money, should I invest in more risky ventures? And vice versa, if I have little to invest, should I keep it less risky? Mm, okay. We got to talk about something called risk tolerance. Risk tolerance is basically, it's just a fancy phrase for how much do you fuck with risk? Like, how do you have like a strong gut when like, do you like roller coasters? You know I'm saying like, are you cool with emotional financial roller coasters? When you are like me, I call myself risk averse, which basically means I'm kind of a little bitch. I don't like when the market goes up and down. That shit makes me nervous. And I want my investments to feel like stable. I want to have money that I'm like okay with losing when I invest. You might be really, you might be the total opposite. You might be, I'm not even sure what they call it, like risk kink. I have no clue. But maybe you're really into risk and you're like, let my money ride. I love to watch these things go up and down. It doesn't scare me. You got to identify your risk tolerance. So my personal thing as a risk averse person, I only invest what I'm down to lose because I'm risk averse. The immigrant mom in my head is like, what if the government steals it all? I know that's not entirely true, but like considering a culture history, she has a point. So I'm like, I only invest what I'm willing to lose. Um, and that's the advice I would give you and to anybody. Invest what you're willing to lose. Sweet. And last up, is there a way to invest ethically? Hmm. I love this question because the answer is no. Ah, <laughs> very <laughs> depressing. Um, there's no way to invest 100% ethically because you're going to want to like screenshot this with your mind. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. I love that phrase. Shout out to Kara Perez of Bravely who taught me that phrase. And Kara is so good at helping us parse out the complicated feelings of like, I really want to thrive and survive, but I also am not trying to be like a colonizing piece of shit. Kara is an incredible person to follow for those conversations. So if we're keeping it a honey, as the youth say, nearly every financial exchange in capitalism is taking advantage of somebody. That's part of the definition of capitalism. No matter what you do when you're exchanging dollars, including when you're investing, someone along the assembly line is getting exploited to some extent. It's just the hard truth of our money world. Can you try to be more ethical while you are investing? Yeah, worth figuring that out. Probably is my answer. Potentially. What I want you to Google is ESG investing. That stands for Environmental Social Governance Investing. Basically, a bunch of investing professionals got together and went, okay, we're going to go around and try to find investments that make an overall positive impact on the environment, on societal issues, and we're going to make sure that they're not like run by corrupt lobbyists and things like that. You can find certain investments with a high ESG score the same way you might like only eat at restaurants with a 4.5 star or higher DoorDash score. So there, there are people who are giving ESG scores to certain investments. Dive into that, Google that, and, and find your way. You know, no lifeguard on duty with the ethical investing thing. It's still very new. I'm going to look that up. That sounds actually very ethical. Yeah, we try. We try with the ethical things. You know, it's like it's like building... Building ethical things inside of capitalism is like, let's try to build 
uh, let's try to make like, you know, sanitary wipes while we're sitting in a swamp. It's like, oh, it's going to be hard. We can try. Um, But I think the overall point is when you're investing, when you're managing your money at all inside of this capitalistic simulation that we're stuck in, everyone is doing their best, especially regular everyday investors like me and you. So we're going to go slow. Amazing. Well, thanks, Berna. Thank you so much, Jorge. And I will be checking in with you about your investing journey soon. I'm sure we're going to talk about more investing. Sounds good. All right, y'all. That was the Public Forum brought to you by public.com. Remember, send in your questions to at when's happy hour on Instagram. And do not forget to check out public.com to get started on your investing journey ASAP. I'm already there, but I saved you a seat. Okay, you can find me at HeyBerna. Investing is for everyone. I know there's maybe there's that little voice in the back of your head that's like, I'm not ready to invest. I don't know if it's for me. Listen, listen. I am like the person who definitely thought investing was not for me. And I feel so freaking at home on public.com. There are educational tools, live audio daily shows, so many folks that you can just watch and see how they invest and jump in when you feel ready. Plus, all new members get $10 worth of free stock when you sign up. And come on, it should be obvious. Free money, people. Visit public.com slash betches to sign up and get started today. That is it for this episode of Money, Please. I know there's so much more to learn about investing. We could never cover it in one episode. So stay tuned for much more in the future. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Tell your friends about it. Tell your hairdresser about it. Tell your hot breath uncle or like Twitter trolls trying to give you investing advice. First of all, tell them to suck it and then tell them about this episode. And follow us and submit your questions to When's Happy Hour on Instagram or email us at moneypleaseatbetches.com and follow me on Instagram at HeyBurna. Until next time, I'm wishing you love, peace, and refunded fees. Betches.